Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills, in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of Acts, ending in chapter 23 and starting chapter 24. Here's Pastor Ryan. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give him the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. I mean, as believers in Christ, if God has given us any form of strength to get out of our beds, should we not say, Lord, what would you have me to do today? And to seek out within our churches what needs are there? And to humble ourselves and to say, Lord, use me? I'm not, you know, and and we all have our our, our weaknesses, we all have our trips, we all have our ideas of why we we can't or we're excused not to or, you know, it's not our cup of tea or whatever. You know, our Lord hung on the cross and he washed feet. So how can we be okay with the excuse of it's just I'm not a people person? Well, you know, God, God calls us, God calls us and then he equips us. He strengthens us. He changes us. And he, he divinely protects us and provides for us. And a lot of us are hurting with provisions because there's no doing and just sitting. Faith doesn't sit. Faith doesn't just rest. It says, Lord, here I am. Use me. I'm still alive. Oh, we'll rest when we get to heaven. Amen? amen. Not so Amen. And so he wrote a letter, verse 5. Claudius Lysias wrote this letter, the commander of the Romans. It was Roman law uh, for a subordinate to write a letter concerning a prisoner when he was sending his, the, the prisoner to his superior. And so here we have this beautiful letter that the writer of the book of Acts, Luke, gives to us. Luke was a doctor, and so it's a very precise uh, record of this letter that the commander is sending with the guys and Paul down to Caesarea. And so he says here, to the most excellent governor, Felix. Well, who's Felix, you ask? Felix is Antonius Felix, and he was the governor of Judea from 52 A. 
D to 60 AD about. And uh, Felix had been a slave prior in his life, but gained the status of a freeman under the emperor Claudius. His brother was a friend of the emperor, and so Felix's political career blew up in a good way. It, it thrived because his brother was friends of the emperor. Felix was known as uh, indulging in whatever perversion he lusted after. Um, the historian, the Roman historian Tatticus, wrote concerning him that he had the, or he used, he exercised the powers of a king with the character of a slave. So he wasn't a highly looked upon individual. He was also the husband of Drusilla, which was the sister of Herod Agrippa II. So he was married to a, to a Herod in Drusilla. And he was from Cilicia, which was the same region where Paul the Apostle just happened to be from. Isn't that how things work when the Lord is working in our lives? Paul's about to go be on trial before the governor of Judea, Felix, who just happens to be from the same region that he's from. It's crazy, God's timing how he does that. I know there's more than a few in my uh, history of being a Christian of running into people who uh, have wanted the favor of judges in their life. I've prayed for more than a few. Oh, you got it. Well, those from my region will get it a lot quicker. So here's the letter. Greetings. This man was seized by the Jews and was about to be killed by them. Coming with the troops, I rescued him, having learned that he was a Roman. And when I wanted to know the reason they accused him, I brought him before their council. I found out that he was accused concerning questions of their law, but had, but had nothing charged against him delivering of death or chains. And so here we see him first, you know, just telling the story as he sees it, but he, he leaves out the part that he was, a, he was preparing to scourge a Roman citizen, so he leaves that out. And verse 29 really sums up the importance of his letter when he says, but nothing, but nothing charged against him deserving of death or change. So Paul's innocence is in this letter, which is great because with our Lord, he was innocent. Jesus died. He who had no sin died for the sinful, us, so that his righteousness would be bestowed upon us. He was a lamb without blemish that was given up. The reason why Jesus could save us from our sins is because he's God, but also because he was sinless and is sinless. And in the Old Testament, when they dealt with the covering of sins, it had to be an unblemished lamb, perfect. And it was a shadow of the Lamb of God who would come and die in his perfection for our sins. And it was a trial that he was not guilty of. And the same for Paul. These charges are, Felix finds no, or not Felix, but Lysias says that he's, he's innocent of these things, in other words. So, in the same sense, did not the Lord say to us in Mount of Beatitudes that we are blessed when they persecute us and they say all kinds of false things concerning us for his sake? False things. False things. Blessed are you. As if they're going to happen as we walk with the Lord, as we put our neck out and step out in faith and stand for his morals in this dark world, the more we do it, the more likelihood 
people are not going to like it and not like you or I and are, are likely to say false things up against you and me and we need to be careful to not be discouraged when it happens to almost see it as an absolute badge of honor that we would be counted worthy that someone would speak falsely about our character as they did the Lord, as they did Paul, as they did Peter, John, all of them. We can't be any different, especially in these days when you stand up for truth in this world. Be blessed. When things don't work out, understand that that's not that God is upset with you, it's, it's, it's that God is pleased with you. I found out that he was accused concerning questions of their law, but had nothing charged against him deserving of death or chains. And when it was told me that the Jews lay in wait for the man, I sent him immediately to you and also commanded his accusers to state before you the charges against him. Farewell. Then the soldiers, as they were commanded, took Paul and brought him by night to Antipetrus. And the next day they left the horsemen to go on with him and return to the barracks. And when they came to Caesarea and had delivered the letter to the governor, they also presented Paul to him. And when the governor had read it, he asked what province he was from. And when he understood that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will hear you when your accusers also have come. And he commanded him to be kept in Herod's Praetorium, where there was uh, jail cells there for him to be held. What's cool is that, you know, Paul got a quick little preliminary hearing uh, with Felix. And uh, no doubt it was because they were from the same region and he just had to see maybe he knew him or recognized him. So he had this kind of a wonderful kind of quick meeting with Felix. Verse 1 of chapter 24. Now after five days, Ananias the high priest came down with the elders and a certain orator named Tertullus, an orator which is basically a lawyer who can speak very eloquently concerning matters of law and their religion. And so they've come with the big guns against Paul. And these gave evidence to the governor against Paul. And when he was called upon, Tertullus began his accusation saying, Seeing that through you we enjoy great peace and prosperity, is being brought to this nation by your foresight, we accepted always, always and in all places, most noble Felix, with all thankfulness. Nevertheless, not to be tedious to you any further, I beg you to hear, by your courtesy, a few words from us. And so we see here that the lawyer eloquently begins to flatter the governor Felix. Oh, flattery, 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 flattery. The word flatter may come from the root of flat. To make smooth, to appease, to soothe. The Latin word is uh, plaado. Perhaps flat and plaado are from one root, the radical sense of which must be to extend or to strain or to stretch, to soothe to, by praise, to gratify self love by praise or obsequiousness. I walked into that. I prepared and I should have broke that down by syllables, but I did not. 
to please a person, my English will get better. By the time we get to heaven, it'll. To please a person by applause or favorable notice, by respectful attention, or by anything that exalts him in his own estimation or confirms his good opinion of himself. It means to please, to gratify as to flatter one's vanity or pride, to praise falsely. The Proverbs teaches us in Proverbs 29.5, a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. I think it's unbecoming for Christians to flatter anybody. There is no need for us to play games and to falsely praise people in order for us to receive some benefit because we are a people who believes that all things work together for good, who love God and are called according to his purpose. There's no need to flatter man because God is already working good things out for me. Amen? So faith says there's no need to falsely praise. It's good to praise people and to bless people and to say good job and give out of boys, but without seeking anything in return from them. Agape love says good job. Amen? Watch for that. Don't let anybody flatter you falsely. You know they're buttering you up for, for something. I beg you to hear by your courtesy. Imagine that. A few words from us. For we have found this man a plague, a creator of dissension among all the Jews throughout the world, and a ringleader of the sect of Nazarenes. He even tried to profane the temple, and we seized him and wanted to judge him according to our law. But the commander, Lysias, came by and with great violence took him out of our hands, commanding his accusers to come to you. By examining him yourself, you may ascertain all these things of which we accuse him. And the Jews also assented maintaining that these th things were so. So they were like, mm-hmm. I mean, they called him a plague. They're accusing him politically, first of all, that he was inciting a riot, which he wasn't. To start a riot is the Romans will have your head. I mean, you just didn't do it. And secondly, that he was going against the, the law of Moses, the traditions of the elders, which he was not. He came to preach Jesus Christ, which is the fulfillment of the law. The law was given to place people under the restrictions of it until Jesus came. The law was given that people would behave right, but also realize that they could not behave right without the help of God. And thus God sent his only begotten son, that by faith in him, the law was perfected. These are the things that they are accusing him of. And also desecrating the temple because they said that he had brought a Gentile into the temple. And that's absurd. And I guess there's, it, it is a beautiful thing to bring sinners into this place in whom we are chief. So if you're here for the first time and you haven't, you haven't given Jesus your heart, just know that he came to save sinners. He did not come to save the righteous, but sinners. Those who feel that they are righteous, he cannot save. Those who say they can see, he cannot save. But those who say that without him they are blind, those he can save. He saves the humble. That acknowledges that there's just one that is right, and that is Jesus. There is only one that is holy. There is only one that is good, and that is our Lord. And so invite sinners here, please. There's plenty of room. Invite them here. You must know somebody who's a sinner. You think highly of people out there, don't you? 
No, don't think highly of them. They're sinners. I don't care how nice they are. Invite them. They need Jesus. Then Paul, after the governor had nodded to him to speak, answered, And as much as I know that you have been for many years a judge of this nation, I do the more cheerfully answer for myself. He doesn't flatter him. He just tells him, I know you've been the boss around here for some time. It will be my joy to uh, answer for myself. Because you may ascertain that it is no more than 12 days since I went up to Jerusalem to worship. And that's what Paul did. Remember, they shaved their heads and they did that cleansing ritual and they, they went and, and, uh, and Paul went with the Jewish brethren, the Jewish Christian brethren. And they, the religious Jews, neither found me in the temple disputing with anyone nor inciting the crowd, either in the synagogues or in the city. Nor can they prove the things of which they now accuse me. But this I confess to you, that according to the way, that's Christianity, that's how it was referred to, the way, the way. They referred to Christians as Nazarenes, which is interesting with ISIS, you know that. They, they would um, go around in the Middle East and anyone who was a Christian, a home that was of a Christian, they would put uh, the Arabic letter for N on their doors, meaning they're Nazarenes. Do you, you guys know that? I, you got it tatted on you, don't you? I'm sorry. That's, I'm, point, I'm pointing that way, Gabriel. <laughs> Sorry. But it's, it's, you know, Arabic N. Nazarene. I was in Italy with the wifey on vacation back in the day, and I was walking around with our, some missionaries that are there. And we saw this big old banner hanging from a museum or a palace or something. Everything over there is a museum. And there was a big Arabic letter and I said, what? That was the first time I saw it. I go, what's that? And that's when I first heard the story that that's what ISIS were marking homes with, the letter N for Nazarene. So Christians were referred to as Nazarenes because of Jesus. Beautiful. And secondly, it was called the way. As Jesus said, he is the way, the truth, and the life, right? The way, the way of salvation. He is the way of salvation. So, but, but this I confess to you that according to the way which they call a sect, so I worship the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets, I have hope in God. And so that's a very beautiful statement. First, he said they, they call it a sect. They call it a cult. You know, my family members called Calvary Chapel a cult. But this is how messed up that thinking is. You think that a church that brings their Bibles to make sure that the pastor's saying legitimate things is cultish? I think it's cultish to just go to church without a Bible and kneel and stand just because they tell you it's time to kneel and stand. Why? Why? <laughs> I don't think it's cultish to study the Bible at church what's cultish is kind of like what's that fiddler on the roof right remember it's like why do we do it i don't know it's tradition i don't know why i do it it's tradition and i love my yaya and i love my grandmother and i know that they they taught me about jesus and and i'm not hating on them and i'm not hating on anybody's family but tradition isn't what Jesus came to give us. He came to give us truth. 
So they called it a sect. You know, they called it a cult. It's not a cult. My goodness, when Jesus taught, he taught his word to people. His word. You know, why can't priests get married? I don't know. Why do we baptize babies? I don't know. Because it's tradition. No, no, no. You think I'm, I'm serious. You think about it. Scripturally. Like why? We should know why we do what we do. If we don't know why we do, your kids will ask you, why, do, why, don't, why is the priest not married? Because the popes were inheriting the money from the church and when they died, it went to their children. So in order to keep the money in the Catholic Church, they said, that's it. Because any priest can rise up to be a pope one day, and we got to keep the money within the church. They don't hide this. It's their history. But it's not biblical. Paul said, it's okay for us to be married. Paul said, Peter had a wife. You know that Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. It's in the gospel. So don't think I'm hating. I'm not. I just want to give truth. And I know, so it's not, look it, I love my abuela, I love my yaya, I love my tradition. But truth is what Jesus wants to give us. We don't baptize babies because babies don't know what they're doing. Faith is about people who know what they're doing. Faith, baptism is for people to say, I know what I'm doing and I believe in Jesus Christ and I am willing to get baptized. That's what baptism is in the Bible. But again... If you get people to think on a traditional basis for money, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna make a lot of money. And you ask the people, why? Why do we do these things? Martin Luther asked, he was a good Catholic. The Bible says of Martin Luther that he was too good of a Catholic to remain a Catholic. But he asked, and I don't even know why I went on this, but I think maybe somebody needs to know this today. But, but the Protestant movement was, was birthed by good Catholics who were too good to remain Catholics because there was corruption at the top. And so Martin Luther asked his uh, German buddies, have you guys ever read the Bible? Nope. They, they're priests who had never read the Bible. It wasn't in their language. And they wanted it in their language and, and they wanted to translate it to German, which was the death sentence. And uh, so, anyways, I digress. <laughs> I digress. It's not a sect. This isn't a cult. Everything's out in the open. If you can show me scripturally where I am wrong and I am not following, and we are not following what the Bible, what God intends, then hold me accountable. That's why you have a Bible in your hand. So follow me as I follow Christ. Amen? Amen? Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that it would bear much fruit in our lives. And I, like I said, Lord, we, we, the churches, Lord, are in your hands. You say that we should not tear uh, people out of churches because we may tear out the wrong people. But in the last day, you're going to settle all things with all the churches. We read about it in Revelation, and we pray. Um, I'm grateful for my, my, my Catholic family members who prayed for me when I was a baby. No doubt prayed for me. I know they did. 
And it, it has gotten me to this place where I'm at today. And Lord, I pray that your truth would be spoken in all churches. Because it is not a sect and it is not a cult to study your word. I pray for our church to be a healthy church, a loving church. And we pray to be ready for your return, for your coming soon. And while all heads are bowed and the worship team is up here, if you're here this morning, Jesus said this, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The world is showing you, my friends, that it is wicked, that they are trying to take away rights from people in this country. The world is showing you. And Jesus said that in the last days, the Antichrist will arise and you will not be able to buy or sell without a certain mark on your forehead or on your wrist. You cannot buy, you cannot sell. And in the media in this country, they are saying they shouldn't be able to buy in supermarkets. In Australia, they are already doing it. In some cities, you cannot buy or sell unless you have a passport. The world is being conditioned for the Antichrist. And we as Christians have to push back and stand. But if it tells you anything, my friend, if you're here today, is you better be right with God soon, today, now, because if not, you may be left behind. We're going to give you a moment as we pray and worship to think about that. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicholas Street in Banning. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills.